Welcome to Raw Storytelling, a podcast where real people share unscripted and uncensored real stories. And I'm your host, Enid Nolasco. Hello, it's Enid here. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, our amazing, amazing raw storytelling fans. Each month we get more downloads and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for for being a fan of us. The theme for this month's episode is worst dates ever. That's right, only two days after the most vomit-inducing fake holiday of the year, Valentine's Day, we're going to spend an hour sharing stories of dating stories gone totally wrong. The stories you'll hear in this episode were recorded a year ago, and just two days ago, we had our second annual Worst Dates Ever show. We had to because this year, our live show fell on Valentine's Day. So we had a Fuck Valentine's True Storytelling shindig, and yes, I said shindig. As you know, Raw Storytelling is a live true storytelling show that happens in Fort Lauderdale, Florida each month, and I host those shows as well, and I like to start each show with a story. So I'm doing the same for this episode. I'm going to start the show with Joey Wright. He's an incredible, talented swimwear and lifestyle photographer who had me hyperventilating in excitement, of course, when he submitted a story titled, Fetish Party, A Great Place for a First and Last Date. You can see Joey's amazing work at joeywrightphoto.com, and that's right spelled W-R-I-G-H-T. Okay, let's get on with it. So you, you heard the title of my uh, story is Fetish Party, uh, First and Last Date. And I, I think that you have good dates, and then you have good stories. And then, like, you get murdered somewhere over here. That's, okay. So, like, but I'm, I think this is hopefully in the good story uh, realm, okay? So, um, to back this up, I'm going to start with the, um, the beginning. It's a love story. And uh, I met this beautiful, beautiful, like, funny, cool, I mean, everything that, you know, I was checking off the list, right? And um, I met her on a, on a job, and she lives in out of state. She lives in North Carolina. So I didn't expect anything. I knew there was a good vibe throughout this. Uh, it was a photo shoot I was doing. And, um, but we continued to talk. Now, I really, I thought this girl was like perfect, okay? I literally, I nicknamed her like to my friends, Angel and Perfect, okay? <laughs> so, uh, so we continued talking for a couple weeks, and I mean, it went from you know an hour a night to two hours a night, FaceTiming, all that stuff. So we knew there was something there, and she mentioned this idea that she could move back to South Florida. So, all right, I'm pursuing. So I finally, uh, after, say, a couple weeks of this constant talking, invited her to come back down. I said, I'll fly you down. Um, I know you have friends here, but you can stay with me. You can have my spare room. I don't want to like put you in a trapped situation. I know you would like to have an exit strategy, which she did. And, uh, so she, she finally agreed with a little convincing. Okay. Now somewhere between, this is where the story gets important. Somewhere between the time that I invited her and the time that she came, uh, my buddy invited me to a uh, party he was having that weekend, my neighbor, and it was going to be the night, the first night she was in town. So I reached out to my friend Chris, who actually just showed up. Chris is here, everybody. Chris. Kind of looks, looks like me, but a little taller. Um, I said to Chris, hey, Chris, what are you doing on this particular Saturday night? You want to come to uh, my buddy's party? He goes, casually, he says, oh, I can't, dude. Uh, fetish parties that night. <laughs> so I was like, what's that? <laughs> And um, he started to tell me, I'm a very curious person, okay? I don't knock anything until I've tried it once, okay? <laughs> and in the spirit of exploration, <laughs> I, I started asking him more about it, but he, he said, uh, Why, you should come, bring, the, bring that girl. I was like, dude, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> There's no way I can ask her that the night she gets into town to spend this first weekend with me to come to a fetish party. <laughs> So I called her. (laughs) 
And I told her exactly that. I said, you won't believe this, but my buddy Chris, I asked him to come to the ugly sweater party. He countered with, no, come to the fetish party. And I told him, there's no way I could ask you that. So I just thought it was funny to mention it to her. And her response was, let's do both. So she had already um, put together some ugly sweaters for us for the first party of the night. And um, she started showing me pictures of the things she was trying on for the fetish party. It were like these sexy unicorn thong leotards. And I mean, she was getting into it, right? So I'm thinking, cool. (laughs) It's fair game. Uh, So she shows up. The angel flies into town. And um, <laughs> we greeted at the airport. In fact, we had, never, we had never even kissed or anything. So we didn't even know how this was going to go the first time we're seeing each other in person, and it's not under a professional uh, circumstance. But we kissed and hugged, and it was a great meeting at the airport. Now, that day, one thing I had to do was go shopping for my outfit with her. And this is, in hindsight, where I might have started to play the wrong cards. Um, I think with, with fetish parties, and I, I was no pro at this uh, at the time, uh, I think there's sort of a, a spectrum that you could, you could go with. You could dress up kind of cool and black leathery like the Matrix, or you could go kind of like uh, village people-y, um, <laughs> flamboyant... Uh, <laughs> super emasculated over here. Let's just say I ended up... (laughs) So I I went with... um, Hold on. So I... So I didn't take this as seriously as she did, okay? Because her outfit was very sexy and cool, and mine was this minus the shirt and black tight leather pants and boots, okay? Chris saw it. It was not pretty, right? Let's, you, you would not have wanted to hit it, okay? It is... And if I had done a little research, I would have seen that her last boyfriend was like this, like, kind of macho, alpha male, like, country dude, okay? So this was not, (laughs) this, so it already started to take a little, like, downward turn, okay? In fact, I feel like just a weirdo right now. (laughs) If I, like, die from this cold on stage and they have to pick up my body like this, um, and explain to my parents. So I went with um, Kitty Man Slave or whatever as my outfit. And, um, <laughs> and she got to see me in it for the first time that night. <laughs> and let's just say the distance started to grow. <laughs> um, also, I didn't know they have coat checks at fetish parties. So you don't have to walk out of your building and pass your neighbors in the outfit. <laughs> and get into the Uber, and then go across the parking lot. You could hide it. I did not know that. So a little note to you uh, fetish party virgins out there. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) Something good came out of this. So we, uh, we, go, we go to the party, okay? We go down the elevator to the, wait, on this, wait for the Uber um, on my sidewalk for a little bit. Uh, we get there. It was at the fetish factory. And um, the first thing that I got to see when I walked in was two, like, six-foot-five men, like, bear men that were in black latex but with holes here and big fake tits popping out of them and, like, gag balls in their mouths, okay? And these guys could have, like, easily, like, wiped the floor with me and and their ass and would have loved it, you know? And, um... (laughs) But, so so here's the the part. Now, I'm, I'm at this fetish party, 
And I think we all, on a first date, you're trying to gauge the temperature of the other person constantly. You know, you're, you're, you're being very careful with each move. It's like a game of chess. But this is like a game of chess on crack, okay? <laughs> and, I mean, my, I, I'm using my peripherals to always see what her reaction is to everything that we're passing by. And I swore my, like, the cord in my eye was going to snap <laughs> to, like, see that far over... So we proceed through the crowd, and I'm sure you can just... Whatever you're imagining is exactly what was there. Okay? Yes, all of that. Right. We get to this back area. There's sort of a gathering, a crowd around something, and it's this this chick that's got a a white... latex like nurse's costume that's really tight but she's got the skirt pulled up and she's bent against a a post and she's not wearing any underwear and there's a man behind her half man he's a he was a centaur he had (laughs) he had no shirt on he was wearing he was wearing uh um furry hoofed legs and he was playing her ass like a bongo to the music, like you would see somebody like in the zone with like glow sticks, like just wailing, you know? That was him on her ass, just in the zone and just people around just sipping drinks like, yeah, this is, this is happening. So, um, so we watched that, so I'm like, I'm watching, I'm watching the girl, I'm like, <laughs> she's, she's like, oh my God, that looks like fun. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we, uh, we walk on a little further. There's another guy doing a similar thing. He's got these two, like, flogs, and he's, like, spinning around like nunchucks and, and smacking a girl's ass with them. And she goes, oh, my God, that looks like, I mean, you, you want to do it? I could ask him if maybe he'll flog your ass or whatever. She's like, sure. So I asked the man, like, hey, would you flog my date, please? <laughs> so he did. <laughs> He actually, I remember she, she went up to him and he kind of got a little handsy for a second. He kind of put it up, hey buddy, hey, no hands, just flogs. <laughs> Let's have some respect. <laughs> so um, she got flogged or whatever and uh, I felt like they had more of a connection than I did at this point. <laughs> it was not going great, okay? Like, she left me at one point, hey, because she brought her friend, okay? And she goes, we're going to the, we're gonna go get a drink. Stay here. I'm like, why do I have to stay here? I'm like, I don't, I don't know anybody, and look at how I'm dressed. You're going to leave me alone like this? You sick human. So she, um, she left me hanging a couple times. It was just, it was kind of, we were, we were like, kind of just, I don't know. I, I mean, my look maybe wasn't doing it for her or whatever, and um, so... Uh, and Flogman, like, he was, he was pretty cool, I guess. He had a skill um, <laughs> that he got to show off. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, was, I was remember at one part, this was, like, one of the weirdest things I saw. While I was waiting around by myself, I, I peeked around this corner, and there was this sort of table, like, you might put somebody on to, like, like an operating room table thing, but instead it was this old man with leathery straps, and the, really, the only thing that was exposed were his balls. <laughs> And there was another old man with a little flog just going <laughs> just smacking his balls like a little like a little speed bag, you know? So I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it's too this is too vivid. It's I'm having PTSD. Uh, so um so she, at some point, I, I think she already decided, like, she's not coming back to my place, okay? Like, she's, she's going to go home with her friend. And, and I can say this in hindsight. It's very easy to see that that was, that was sort of planned maybe while they were in the bathroom. But she asked, um, oh, I didn't say this. My neighbor came, the one from the ugly sweater party, the one that threw the party. While we were at the party and when we were leaving, this is a little funny tidbit. He said, where are you guys going? So we're going to a fetish party. He said, what? What, what fetish party? Now talk about like impulse buys, okay? <laughs> I, I had to mentally prepare for this for like a week, okay? He goes, where is it? I tell him where it is. He showed up, my neighbor, 
And all he did was put on a little mask, he had his ugly sweater on, and then no pants. And his socks and shoes. That was his fetish costume. His makeshift, last minute. (laughs) So my date says, hey, Eric, um, I left my purse at your house. Am I going to be able to get that back tonight? And I'm like, hmm, okay. She needs her purse back tonight, and she's supposed to be staying for another couple days. I'm, I'm like, getting the hint here. Um, So Chris's girlfriend says, if you want the purse back, you're going to have to get spanked for it. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. She's cool. Um, So my date goes over to that table where old Nut McGee was getting flogged earlier and she climbs up on it like a like a cat and like kind of putting on a little sexy so I mean she's seemingly all for this or whatever and uh, they strap her in okay and then two girls that were from our group start kind of giving her these little smacks on her butt and she didn't seem to mind she was kind of laughing and um, now I didn't know this either that Chris had established a, um, a safety word <laughs> for her. And when you do a safety word, you need to tell everybody in your group, okay? <laughs> so, Chris is going, Joey, your turn. And that's when she goes, whiskey. And I go, get her a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave her a couple little smacks, okay? And nothing crazy. I, this was not like, uh, this was far from a Me Too moment, okay? This was a, just like a f- little, like, f- you know, farting around, kind of whatever. But let's just put it this way. I learned that sometimes asses are like your mom's intimate cake. It's only for guests, okay? It's not for the inner circle, okay? We save that. So that wasn't for me. It was okay when Flogman did it and the two girls did it. And when I did it, she did not like it. And she goes, get me out of here. We untie her. She smacks me in the face, which everybody thought was just part of the role-playing moment. So no one really understood except for me that this is, this is bad. And um, she uh, did not talk to me for the rest of the night, packed up her stuff, and never talked to me again. The angel flew away, yeah. So it's okay. I, I do recall there were probably a couple things that, that, you know, say it wasn't meant to be. I do remember she said at some point when she asked me if I wanted to have kids, and I was like, yeah. She goes, I want 15. And she's like, well, we could talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I learned three things out of this that I'll give you. I'll leave, leave this with as a, a little first, first date advice. Um, one, um, Mr. Slave is not a good look, okay? <laughs> For sure. I, that, let's just across the board. Never, okay? Um, two, if, you have, if you're lucky enough to have an angel with you on your first date, don't swat her like a fly, okay? <laughs> and three, if, if it's not some activity or skill or, or something you would list on your Tinder profile, it's probably not right for a first date. So save the fetish party for date number two. Thank you. What you couldn't see as you heard that story is that at one point he took off his hoodie to reveal part of his fetish outfit that he wore for that fetish party. And it was a leather vest and leather cat ears. It was definitely more adorable than anything else. But you know what, Joey? We love you. Right about now is where we would take a little break to talk about our sponsors, aka you. We're looking for sponsors. Squarespace? MailChimp, anyone? But seriously, Raw Storytelling started as a passion project of mine, and it's become a reality thanks to a community of supporters. And I want to keep growing this movement that allows any person from any background to have a voice. If you want to be a sponsor, please, please email me at rawstorytelling at gmail.com or go to rawstorytelling.org slash donate and give me your money and I'll do great things with it. Okay, it's time for our next storyteller, internationally published poet Ryan Bynack. 
He's a four-time raw storyteller, and he's also instructing our first poetry workshop, which starts actually in uh, a couple days. So I'm excited about that. He's become part of the raw family and probably is our biggest supporter. Well, after me, of course. And his story is titled, We Have All Had Bad Dates. I'm from New York City, and there is uh, nothing like this in New York City, believe it or not. This is a very good group, and I'm blown away, and I'm very honored. Um, we've all been on bad dates. I'm assuming everyone here has been on a bad date. I've been on a bad date. One time in college, I went on a date with a girl. We were at TGI Fridays. <laughs> Every girl's dream. <laughs> and I went, we ordered our drinks. She ordered a margarita with no salt. I ordered mine with salt. And I went to the bathroom and I, I, I was taking a pee and I farted and poop came out. <laughs> We've all had bad dates. <laughs> not even kidding you. But I'm not here to tell you about my bad date or your bad date. I'm here to tell you about a bad date that I witnessed. And it's the worst bad date you will ever fucking hear in your life. Uh, <laughs> what did you say, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was shitting everywhere at that fetish party. <laughs> uh, I, I worked at a restaurant in Orlando, Florida. It was a very fancy restaurant when I was in college. And suit and tie, like you had a bistro apron, all this thing. And uh, I, I moved my way up in this restaurant. So I started, you know, like busboy, moved to host, moved to waiter, and then moved to like the best section. Anyone who's waited tables here knows that we hate calling it waiting tables. Um, we call it serving tables. Isn't that so pretentious? Um, so I moved up. One night, I was working a double. My second shift, I got this first table. It was a woman. She was sitting in the back by herself. I went up. I did my thing. I said, hi, my name is Ryan. I'll be taking good care of you this evening. Would you like anything? She goes, I'm waiting for my husband. It's a celebration. And I go, great. What would you like? She goes, what's your most expensive bottle of wine? And at this place, it was very fancy. Um, our most expensive bottle of wine was this Bordeaux from, uh, that was like $450 bottle of wine. Like, no one, everyone has been like, oh, it's been sitting in the wine vault for 28 years and all this shit. <laughs> she goes, and I told her that. I go, oh, it's like, 450 bucks. Like, she goes, I want that. We're celebrating. I want that. And I go, all right. I'm 19 years old, by the way. <laughs> so I go get it. I come. I do the whole thing. There's a, another thing you don't know about waiters and servers or whatever you want to call them is that we judge you. Well, not we. I don't do this anymore. But... Uh, <laughs> Every server you've ever had, even at the bodega or the diner, they judge you. They not judge you like harsh, not like, oh, those fucking shoes. Like, <laughs> like I'm saying like, I'm saying they're like, they're like feeling you out. They're like feeling you out with their, like the time, the effort, that, that sort of thing. And so she ordered big, so I'm like, all right. So I did the whole, like, presenting the wine, like, with this arm. I don't know what that is. Um, and, I, and I don't know if you know this, if anyone's served before, you keep the label, like, facing them. Like, someone's going to be like, face that label to me. <laughs> That's not a thing. No one's ever been. I've, I served in restaurants and bars for 15 years, and I've never, you know when you pour the wine like a little bit and someone tastes it? I've never, ever had someone be like, that sucks. Pour it back. <laughs> <laughs> They've always been like, oh, that's great. Because they, the, they want the 
the rigmarole. They want the thing. And so, but I want it too. Like if I'm, a, if, if you're buying a $500 bottle of wine, I want to give it to you. I want to, I want to kiss you on the neck. So I did the thing. I gave her the wine and I went on my way. I waited for her husband. Her husband finally came. Are you following me? All right, cool. Her husband finally came. I came up, I poured his wine. I gave him some time, gave him a little bit of time. And then, you know, I'm in the cut watching them. And then I didn't, I didn't think about this at the time, but now I'm thinking about it now. They didn't really embrace. They didn't hug. They didn't kiss. I love my lady. I kiss her all the time. <laughs> they didn't kiss at all. It's weird. And I was 19 and I didn't know. Um, so I, I gave him some time, and then I went back up, and I did this thing. Like I said, I judged them. Um, and I, at the place I worked at, we could make up the special. I don't know if, if you ever have gotten a very expensive special. That server is making it up. Um, it was like a chicken marsala that night, but that woman ordered the most expensive bottle of wine, so she's getting the surf and turf in my mind. So I'm like, oh, the special tonight is a 10-ounce filet and a 6-ounce lobster tail with your choice of side and salad. And I recommend the peppercorn brandy sauce, which is $189. It's not really that much, but... Um, so I said the thing, and, and, and they were like, we need some time. And I, again, went away. I went away. It was my only table. Um, so I probably went into the back and like smoked weed with a busboy or something like that. Um, and then I went back to them. Something has ch changed. Something changed in this dynamic. She's visibly upset. I was like, hey, do you guys have any questions? <laughs> She's crying. She's fucking bawling. I go, do you have any questions again? She goes, yeah, I got one question. Why the fuck has my husband been cheating on me for three years? <laughs> I did exactly what you guys are doing right now. <laughs> Times a million. <laughs> Times a million. I'm 19 years old. I, you know what I did? I, I didn't know where to put my hands. I was just like, uh. I go, uh, I just started backing up. I just started backing up. I looked at the guy, too, and he was doing one of these things, like rubbing his temple, like really weird. He was like, uh, he didn't want to look at me. I wanted to do this, too. I'm like, sorry. Busted. And so I just backed up, and I did what any one of us would have done here at 19 years old. Told everyone. <laughs> right? I told, I told every server, bartender, I told the Haitian dishwasher. He didn't even speak English. He was like, I want to see it. Um, I was like, you speak English. Um, <laughs> and then... So around the nice parts of the restaurant, there were these partitions that were like probably my, like, like right here. Like I could literally just poke, poke my nose out and see them. And we all watched them. <laughs> they were fighting. But they were doing this. Any couple in here knows who, couples, come on, raise some hand, couples. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Couples, you do this thing when you're in public and you're fighting. You do it through your teeth. You know this? Don't do this. Don't do this to me. <laughs> Fuck you. I love you. I hate you. Ah! Like that. <laughs> Everyone knows and they just don't want to admit it because they're with someone they do it with. <laughs> um, so they were doing that and we're all watching them. Then all of a sudden something happens. He puts his hand up like he's declaring something, like he's a founding father. He's like, Mrr! and she throws up. <laughs> right? It's fucking terrible. That's when all the other staff is like, fuck you, Ryan, you deal with this. Like, 
I'll see you later. <laughs> and so I go up, I go up, he leaves, I go up, I put like a linen napkin over the throw up. That'll do. I ask her, I go, what can I, do you need anything? What can I do for you? Again, I'm 19 years old for math majors out there. That's 14 years ago. Um, maybe more. 16 years ago. I don't fucking know. Um, so I put something over and I go, can I do anything for you? Mind you, keep in mind, now I'm looking back, she's probably my age. She's probably like 35, very pretty. Like, she doesn't deserve this. She goes, no. She holds her hand, head in her hands. She's like, no, I'm good. Like this. And I had to do the worst thing I've ever had to do in my life. The worst fucking thing I've ever had to do in my life. I had to present her with the bill. Isn't that so fucked up? I had to be like... <laughs> like, scoot away. Here's the bill. I'd like to think... I didn't have the wherewithal to check the card or anything like that, but she hooked me up. Again, 19 years old, she left me like 200 bucks. So I was like, gangster. Um, and then right after that... She disappeared. She disappeared. And a, a, our manager comes around and is like, who wants to go home? We're slow tonight. And I go, I want to fucking go home right back. Right? I want to believe love exists. Please, please. So I got cut. And wouldn't it be crazy if she was here tonight, right now? Wouldn't she be, be crazy if like that lady stood up? It's like, I'm here, and we hugged and embraced and ate ice cream or something. <laughs> Eat it! <laughs> That'd be fucking crazy. Um, so I guess the point of this story is no matter how bad you think your date is, you could shit your pants. You could probably be bleeding or something like that. You, no matter what you think your bad date is, it can always get worse. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, 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 who hasn't shit their pants at least once or twice? I'll say definitely me, at least not on a date yet. Thank you, Ryan, for being you. And you can find his latest book of poems on Amazon, and it's titled Writer, Bartender, Skateboarder. Before we jump on to our next storyteller, pause this podcast. Yes, pause it. Go tell a friend about raw storytelling, and even better yet, rate and review us on iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Raw Storytelling. Okay, seriously, pause and share, please. <laughs> Next up is a fellow Puerto Rican, a fellow Boricua, Solimar Rodriguez Saez. She's an attorney at our host venue, Collective Ventures, and when she shared this story at last year's show, she was days away from giving birth, and I mean days. I had a last-minute storyteller opening, and she signed up the day of the show for that open spot, at 1.30 a.m. because her baby wasn't letting her sleep at night. So this will make her joke about getting pregnant at the beginning of the story make a lot more sense when you hear it. Solimar has since shared other stories at Raw and her sense of humor is always contagious. Her story is titled, The Ways You Can Self-Sabotage a First Date. Okay, so hi, I'm Soli. I'm an attorney here in Collective Ventures. I do estate planning and probate and business law. So if you know anyone that's going to die at some point, you can just send them to us. Um, <laughs> um, so 
Really, my worst uh, story is uh, how to go in a first aid and uh, then get pregnant. <laughs> no, no, really, not really. <laughs> that was Brianna's idea. <laughs> no, no, no. So I was thinking about, like, you know, we all have had horrible dates, and then we have had okay dates, and then these awesome dates that turn out to be like with people that are horrible at the end. And, uh, <laughs> and you're not sure like really how to take these things, but uh, you usually blame the other person for the horrible date. But sometimes you don't realize that you are the horrible date and that you are self-sabotaging yourself in the date, right? During the date. So, at 1.30 a.m., well, I was awake <laughs> because of the baby that didn't let me sleep. I started thinking about my dating life history. I thought it was shorter, but not really. <laughs> and um, so to start a little bit, I was like the ugly duckling at when I was growing up, I was like super tall, and I come from Puerto Rico, and women are short, so, yay! <laughs> so I was always like the tall girl with no boobs, and her friends who had like huge boobs had all these boyfriends, you know, and I would look at them, I would be the chaperone and be like, oh, I wanna be like my friends, but then I realized that my friends were being sluts, and I didn't want to be like them. <laughs> So, um, so my dating story life began there <laughs> when um, I was super shy because of my friends with boobs and self-confidence. And I didn't have boobs or, <laughs> or confidence. So I remember I was uh, at this uh, apartment complex with my friends and then all of a sudden this weird looking guy, very tall, I think we both ended up talking because we were the only tall people there. Um, came, approached me, and he wanted to kiss me, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a slut like my friends if I kiss this guy. So I self-sabotaged myself and didn't, you know, gave him the opportunity, which turned out to be great because he's probably in jail right now. And, you know. <laughs> so there I identified a problem. And, um, you know, it's just avoid the contact and be the cool girl and just, you know, like, forget about the psycho that you are just talking about. So I self-sabotaged that. Then um, I realized that by being the tall, no-boob girl, not slut, I was actually a cool person to hang out with and everybody would laugh at my jokes and all of that. So people would put me on the friend zone because I would allow to be on the friend zone, like allow them in to be in the friend zone. So when I was in high school, I went in like four different dates to old San Juan in Puerto Rico, the most romantic place you can ever imagine. Walking down the streets of a colonial city with this guy that I had a crush on for like four years. But I didn't want to ruin it because I thought I was on the friend zone. And if I expressed some type of love to him, he was gonna push me away. So I self-sabotaged those four times in Old San Juan with him because I didn't want to ruin the friendship. At the end of the day, he turned out to be my boyfriend during throughout the whole high school, but it could have started you know, maybe four years before because I was self-sabotaging myself and I being, was being the worst date by blocking him, you know, during the whole time. So there I identified that problem. I was um, trying to be, <laughs> again, the cool girl and not being the romantic girl, you know, or, or just like a nice date. So then, um, I was, I was actually trying to make everyone laugh, so you know it, it didn't turn out good with that poor guy for four years. But um, then I identified uh, that I didn't know how to take compliments. And um, so I went to this party, 
and I met this guy, and he started hitting on me during the whole night. I'm like, oh my God, this guy, he's so hot, he's hitting on me, but nah. I'm putting him on the friend zone because I know that he must be like wasted or something. He's not gonna remember tomorrow. So there I go. I put him on the friend zone, and then I realized I liked the guy, so I became a stalker and actually went to the restaurant he worked at to see if he recognized my face later on, and he wanted to date me after. He ended up dating me. We were boyfriend and girlfriend for like three years, but <laughs> I, he believed I had green eyes, but they were contacts. Um, <laughs> So yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I self-sabotaged that perfect occasion in which a guy had the right to, you know, being hitting on me, and I was like, shy and stuff, you know. So that's that's not a cool way to, you know, go on a date because self-sabotaging is not cool. So then I had this guy. After I left that, that boyfriend, this guy that I went to college with, he came like one of those romantic movie cliche guys and started like walking towards me and saying to me like, I really want to date you. You are the most perfect person I've ever met in my life. And I, again, self-sabotage myself by saying, oh, I just got out of a relationship of three years. I really don't know if I'm prepared for this. Really? The guy that's like the romantic movie guy, he came just to you to say how much he likes you? No, I self-sabotage that again. So I am the worst date on earth apparently because I self-sabotage these guys. And then, you know, I remember I went on this, on this first date with this guy that I did theater with, and uh, I took him on a road, a road trip around the island. We watched the sunrise. I was like, yes, this guy's gonna fall in love with me. I'm the perfect date. And then he started sneezing and sneezing and sneezing, and he didn't stop sneezing during the whole time. And he was trying to kiss me, and I realized I didn't like him that much when he was sneezing. So I came up with all this weird, I don't even know, excuses of not having contact with him. And um, I, I actually think I was a great date, but I self-sabotaged myself because of his sneezing. <laughs> so yeah, that poor guy, I didn't give him the opportunity. Um, <laughs> he was spreading germs all over the place. Uh, <laughs> then I went out with this guy that was perfect in all aspects. He actually uh, decided to take me out to a fancy dinner. He dressed really well. And he was an architect. I'm like, oh, you know what? This is too good to be true. So during the whole date, I was thinking that he was gay and that that he probably was trying to hide it somehow by taking me out. And I self-sabotaged that opportunity because I thought he was gay. Actually, he wasn't. He now is like married, has like five kids, and he's living the life, traveling the world. So I could have been that person, but no, I self-sabotaged that because I was thinking he was gay. Um, <laughs> um, and then I dated the too good to be true guys that you know that they were kind of, um, hmm, how to put it? Uh, the guy, oh, wait, I skipped the guitar guy. I dated the guitar guy just because he had a guitar. <laughs> just, that's it, what do you need? He had no money in life. He, I had to pay for dinner, but he had a guitar. <laughs> but I knew that he was not gonna get that far in life, so I kind of self-sabotaged that on purpose, but he still had a guitar, so, you know. <laughs> then I dated the, <laughs> the one that, uh, you know, that you knew that he slept around with every Puerto Rican girl in life. But you know, women, we have the Wonder Woman complex, and we think that we can solve guys' problems. So 
I started dating this guy thinking like I'm the only one that he's gonna look at and that he's gonna end up his, you know, days of being hunting for women around there just because I'm too perfect. But no, <laughs> that didn't happen. He was actually, a, yeah, a horrible person. But I did self-sabotage my dates with him because I knew he was like that. So I didn't actually enjoy the dates because I knew he was going to be this guy sleeping around with all the women in the world, but I was going to fix him and all of that. So I self-sabotage at least the opportunity to have fun and believe in, like, you know, Green, like having great times with, you know, whores like him. <laughs> and then there's so many. I really didn't realize I dated so long. <laughs> I, I've traveled a lot. I dated also like outside and it was awesome. But the fun part is that at the end, um, with uh, one of the guys, I uh, have the social media story, of course, because, you know, you always have, like, the real-life dating stories, and now there's social media. So I started talking to this guy through Messenger at that time when Messenger existed. And um, it turned out to be a conversation of over a year. And I, I was actually living in Puerto Rico. He was living in Florida. And... Um, I decided to come visit my family. Really, the family was an excuse. I really wanted to come to visit him. So I used that pretext <laughs> to, to, to come to Florida and, and see him. And it was the perfect date. He actually took me to, to Jackson's ice cream, kind of, you know, to be romantic and have ice cream and all of that. And he gave me the first kiss, so everything was going perfect. But we've been talking for a year. I wanted something else. So he took me to his house, and I was like, yes, finally. And um, when we were, you know, kind of getting busy, he sent me home because he didn't know my parents. Can you believe that? I didn't self-sabotage that one. He did. Maybe I was too easy, but he did want to meet my parents. So he sent me home in the middle of the night on 95 to West Palm Beach. I was like, really? This must have been the worst horrible date in life. Still, the following day, he called me and he was like, you know what, I really want to see you again, la la la. I'm like, well, whatever, I'm here in Florida visiting my family, I guess I'll see you again. So I went again to his house in Fort Lauderdale, drove 95, 95, you know, and I was like, at least I'm hoping that tonight, you know, came all the way from Puerto Rico here, you know, it's like... <laughs> Hello. So that night, uh, he told me, you should call your mom and tell her that you're too afraid to drive on 95 at night. <laughs> so I called my mom. I'm like, mom, I'm thinking that I'm going to stay here with my friend because, you know, 95 is kind of dangerous. And, you know, I am not used to driving on the highway at high speeds at night. <laughs> She's like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, that story, I'm going to say it to your dad. I'm going to tell it to your dad. Have fun. <laughs> so I did have fun. And now I'm married to the guy. <laughs> and this is actually his baby. But <laughs> you see, horrible dates can be self-sabotaged because you have this purpose in your life of being looking for the right person and you actually don't enjoy the moment or live in the present or just like let it be because you're too worried about stupid stuff. But the point is that it could be a horrible date just because of you and not necessarily the other person. But maybe a worse date, like the one that they sent you to your house to your parents, can turn out into a good date at the end of the day. Just give it a chance. <laughs> Thank you.
We love you, Soli, and you will too. Find Solimar at circleoflifelegal.com. Our last storyteller for this episode is also a repeat raw storyteller. Carlos Pacanins is a lawyer both in Venezuela and in the U.S. with multiple degrees, including Georgetown University. I first heard him speak at the Fort Lauderdale Story Slam, another awesome true storytelling show here in South Florida, and I was mesmerized with his story about the intricacies of communication. You see, Carlos had a stroke some years back, and he's dedicated his life to share his story of transformation. The story you're about to hear is about that exact moment when he had his stroke. Wait for it. Well, I hope you understand I have to talk slowly because I have, uh, I am survived a stroke. It was big stroke. Uh, I have a problem to speech, to write, to read, but changed my life because you have two, two paths or more paths, you know, but minimum you have two paths, you know, one path or zero. So I think what happened, what happened with date, what is date to date? Worst date. So I have to tell you before with my stroke. Because after, I want to, the end today. So let's go. I was 15 years old. Well, first, I never have one date. Never one date. Because to me, date is relation, you know? Uh, but it's not just one date. It's what happened, we, you break your heart, okay? That's my worst date, you know? So I was married 22 years, 22 years old, uh, seven-year girlfriend, you know, 15 years old. So all my life I have three sons, and 22 years old, I have heart attack. No my stroke, heart attack. So I think after with my, my birthday, so I think that's a worse date, my birthday, because I have heart attack with my heart. And what happened, that relation, you know, that relation is divorce, you know, <laughs> after they go. So that's worse relation, di divorce. But it's not a worst date, you know, like what, what, he, what, what you said before, you know, went to the bathroom, what happened, that's a worse date. <laughs> but not to me, because with the first date, it's not um, my goal in the date is relation, you know? So I have it good. So the first date, let's go, second, three, and more. Uh, but happened, uh, it changed my, my heart attack with my heart. Why? I uh, have to change simple after. You know, after my, my, my future, my relation, okay, I have to see just inside first and she will understand me. Let me ask you something. You understand something or not? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Um, I was lived in Venezuela. It was horrible. 2010, and I have three, three sons, three boys, uh, and my ex-wife, I moved to Miami because I'm an attorney here, and let's go from Venezuela, come here, and let's go, okay, let's see, uh, we can do this path, it's, it's going to be good. 
So I got um, Match.com because I need to live, live here. So the first time, it was so crazy. You know, we have like one, two, three dates. And in my office, some of my friends, they what is the name? Yes, he was uh, a criminal, the files. You know, it's like, look at this. Uh, mod shot. It's like, no way, no date. That's a word date. So I have to change the second, you know. Uh, but I, had, I, meet, I met someone uh, and she feel with me, you know, I was, we thought it's going to be Mary. Uh, but what happened, that relation, it was one day, 22 December 2012. Um, we go to the restaurant, bean, wine, good. Cigarette, I, I smoke cigarettes a lot. Uh, and we are doing set, doing, and all of the right, I can move on the right. When I see, it, I mean, if you have a diet with that, you have to do it set. It's going to be the best, you know? <laughs> so, why not? So if I go, it's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> but it was, she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm going to stand up, but I want to flow the flat. She immediately go 911 because I talked to you. Uh, but I think it will be my worst date because after, be, be, what, not only that day, because I think we have any love, love. Of course, we have love, but you know, he have three, uh, two daughter and one son. Uh, she felt, you know, he have to, he, you can, I, I, listen, I was in the uh, hospital three days after, three days after. The doctor come in and she told me, what is your name? And I say, Coño, because I think my name is Carlos. Uh, Coño is a bad word. <laughs> it's, it's in Spanish. It's like fuck in Spanish. Uh, but the doctor is like, what is your name? Coño. I thought it's Carlos, uh, but you know, I can't, you know, my girlfriend is like, I understand, you know. It's, it's not worst date for her and me. You know, it's like, you know, 911, hospital, <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> doing fuck, doing. But, but what happened, you know, it's not, it's not worst date. You have to, uh, what happened in your life, your history, your story, is, is the past, it's the future. You can do it, it's, it's, it's that, your memory, what happened, you have to do it uh, better. You know, next, next, step is going to be, you happen, but what do, okay, in the past, what you happen, you have to uh, blot the next paths. Uh, that is not bad, what happened to me. That what, ha what I feel in what happened, I know what happened, I'm never gonna do it, what happened, okay? Cigar, uh, diet, all of that. But what happened is not what would happen because it changed my life. Because I was an asshole before it was a stroke, of course, uh, because I am not an asshole because I'm not alone. <laughs> She's here with me. Uh, so it's not a worst date, but is you have to simple your life, simple, enjoy every second, because one, se one, one second, you know, doing set, you can, let's go. So 
Thank you. That's all for this episode of Raw Storytelling. Our next episode drops March 16th. And meanwhile, tell a friend, subscribe, rate, and review us. Sign up for our live shows. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Raw Storytelling. Check out our beautiful website, rawstorytelling.org, where you can listen to more featured stories, find storytelling tips, and donate. If you're in the South Florida area, attend a live show, or better yet, sign up to share your own story at rawstorytelling.org. Huge thank you to DJ Phonics, who recorded the live audio for this episode's stories. Fabian Lozada is our podcast editor, and Café Collective is our host venue. The music you heard in this episode is by Paddington Bear, Broke for Free, Anthony Videto, who can be found at The Truth Tones, James Woolwine, and other varied artists featured on our live show recordings. Until next time, I'm Ina Nolasco. Stay raw.